you know, it's challenging as business leaders to realize that we need to allow ourselves that same grace in that leadership position that we do in our own individual life. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode on Your Badass Journey podcast. I have Frank Blaney on the show today. He's a leadership development and self-care specialist. He holds an MA in negotiation, conflict resolution, and peace building. Now, who doesn't need a peace builder in their life? What I love about our conversation today is that Frank really shares the tools and, and tips that he has seen in action on how to make sure you're building deeper connection with each other, taking care of yourself to the highest level you can, and also moving into more of a leadership role as you get through your own self-development and your own growth, what it means to actually show up as a, a leader in today's society. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know you're going to have some great takeaways. If you want to connect with Frank, he's at info at D-O-W-N-L-O-A-D. QI.com. And again, it's Frank Blaney. So that's B-L-A-N-E-Y is how you spell his last name. But make sure you connect and let us know you're listening and can't wait to see what your takeaways are. Now let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome, Frank. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Kareem. Well, you know, I appreciate meeting you, knowing you now for at least, I think through Colette, we have we met each other officially almost two years ago now, which mm-hmm. is crazy right. how much has happened in the last two years. Mm-hmm. But what I love about your focus is how you, you have a performance-based business, but you are also very much integrative in how you help your clients achieve what you consider peak performance. And before we get into explaining the work that you do today, I would love for you to share a bit about your journey of how you, how did you even decide to go into performance management, like become a um, a leadership executive guide? Like, what's the background there that got you to where you are today? Well, um, a lot of my best things that have happened in my life have not come about as a result of my master planning, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, life circumstances present themselves, and then we often will make an almost intuitive decision at times mm-hmm. as to which path to take. And uh, I actually became a young father, uh, a father at a very young age, uh, was not planning on getting married, not planning on having kids, and all of a sudden had economic responsibility. So my first real foray into uh, the world of, of real adult work was it, with a large corporate finance company that a friend got me into. And it was a uh, top bank that operated out of New York. So I sat at a desk for four years straight doing what they told me to do. 
And uh, I really didn't like the work. It really was not well suited for me. And I learned a lot about how not to do things as a manager and as a leader within business. And then from that, I decided I needed to complete my education. So having four young children that I was responsible for, and also working at that time, I kind of drifted into, of all things, construction. So I was doing very physical labor, hustling to get some classes done here and there. I mean, it literally, I'm not proud of this, but it took me 12 years to finish my bachelor's degree. And, you know, it was just, you know, sign up for class. Oh, my work schedule yeah. isn't going to fly with that. I've got I've to bail out of that one. Okay, pick it up again. So once I got my bachelor's degree done, I really had the opportunity to think through what do I want to do? And um, that's when I kind of got drawn initially into the nonprofit world. Um, I, uh, and I always suggest this to young people who are looking for career tracks is to volunteer for something that they're passionate about. Yeah. And, I, and I was passionate about uh, preventing violence. Um, mm. I was exposed at an early age to uh, domestic violence in my home growing up. Uh, I had a lot of community violence. I grew up in a very low-income neighborhood in Los Angeles that was had a lot of gang problems. Uh, I got my ass kicked in <laughs> my gangs uh, far too regularly as a youth. And so violence was really a big part of my life. And I wanted to do what I could with my education and with my skills to prevent that. So I actually ended up volunteering for one of the uh, first uh, women's uh, domestic violence and rape crisis prevention centers in, uh, in the entire country uh, based in Los Angeles. It's now called Peace Over Violence. And I started off uh, because I had a background in self-defense and, and martial arts by this time that I'd studied. Uh, I started off uh, helping to train uh, teachers, female teachers, to train uh, people who would come through their, the rape crisis centers throughout the state of California. So um, anyway, I got into that field, really just thrived. And, and being in that field, I was exposed to a lot, you know, not just in my individual field service stuff, but because what I love about nonprofits is that they run on a real streamlined budget. So yeah. you 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 got all sorts of different hats on, right? When you're when you're working in a nonprofit. So I transitioned from doing community education, uh, women's self-defense training to grant writing, uh, program management. And so that kind of took me to my master's degree which my master's degree is in negotiation, conflict resolution, and peace building. And so I was learning this stuff in school and applying it immediately in my community. And it was a great, uh, great little, you know, terrarium of learning that I had. Oh, sounds beautiful. And yeah. 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 It was, it was really neat, but basically the trajectory that got me where I am is just as I stepped into each new, uh, arena and each new opportunity to serve, uh, I got more and more responsibility placed on me. So even though I never really wanted to be a manager, I was placed in a management position. And one of the first uh, executive management positions I had was director of youth leadership development. Mm. And that was something I really felt you know, excited about. And so that kind of is how I got into uh, my own little trajectory as it is. Yeah. At that time, um, how old were your kids by the time you got into that youth leadership role? Do you remember? Like around yeah, the age yeah. you were at? 
they, they were still relatively young. I think my oldest was about maybe 13 yeah. and my youngest was about eight. So yeah, they were still, you know, burning both candles. You yeah. Know? You were leading them as well. That's why I was asking. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, like when you, you get the, the hints of help of, as a service outward, right? Like it starts to integrate with who you are and then how you actually show up and the role you play at home or the mm. role you play in your domestic life, right? Like, and, and right. especially coming from um, what sounds like a very volatile upbringing, you know, and not feeling the level of certainty and safety in, you know, in maybe your own personal upbringing in your home life, but figuring mm-hmm. out, not only how are you going to help youth who go through that or go through trials and tribulations, I just immediately started to think about your own family and potentially the impact mm-hmm. that that had on them going through that journey. And I just want to say the fact that it took 12 years to get your undergrad, it's almost like who cares that it took that long because mm-hmm. you need to celebrate any achievement that you have and the fact that you actually crossed that finish line to even get your master's. So I just want to celebrate yeah. you there because we can oh, we can easily measure ourselves against someone else's process. But mm-hmm. it sounds as if the way you were sharing that is that it actually lined up at the exact right time for you to then put yourself into that new arena to then figure out your next focus. So yeah. Yeah, really absolutely. cool. Tell us a little bit about the the discipline around that self-defense program that you brought in and, and the martial arts you've done. How has that played a role in your life and how you stand as a as a leader today? That's a that's a, a beautiful question. Um, I when I was a little kid, uh, I used to watch TV, and of course you'd see Bruce Lee, and you'd see uh, you know the Kung Fu series, right? With uh, I can't remember the actor's name, the guy that played Kane, right? Um, yeah. And so that stuff made an impression on me. But my reality was getting my ass whooped all the time, right? So uh, and and I I was raised by a single parent mom who was very low income. She worked in a factory and we never owned a car. We were all, my entire life growing up, we were all below poverty level, you know, according to the government thing. Right. And so, you know, we I didn't have my mother didn't have resources to send me for self-defense class. So I wasn't one of those guys that when I was five, I was doing this. You know, I yeah. didn't start I didn't start doing it until I was 21. Nice. I had no intention of ever becoming a black belt. I just wanted to learn something that would help me not to have to experience being beaten again. You know, yeah. it was very pragmatic, right? Yeah. But what I what what I found was that this thing that I really loved doing, and I was not that good at athletics uh, in school, but I just loved martial arts so much, and it was a very healing thing for me as a male, and as something that I I share with with people that I work with is that. A lot of men have been traumatized. Now, obviously, statistically speaking, the uh, rates of sexual assault and and violence against women is even higher. But a lot of men have also been traumatized and they have that machismo thing where they don't want to admit it, you know, that type of stuff. And there's something therapeutic about males going through these motions of martial arts practice together, which helps them to recalibrate the violence they may have experienced, either as a child or in their youth. And that's exactly what happened with me. It was a very healing thing for me. And I just stayed in it and eventually uh, got in a, a, I would, got a black belt after six years of hard training, got a second-degree black belt and a teaching certificate. And then, you know, that was when I parlayed that into my volunteer service uh, doing that. 
But in regards to how it's helped me as a human being and as a person doing business, it's really just understanding that we progress in increments, very small increments, you know, daily, daily, daily input. And, and you don't see the fruit right away. And I think our culture really struggles with that. When you go back in history, right, you've got these agrarian cultures where it was almost instinctual because they would plant a seed. It would take a long time for that seed to bear fruit. And then, you know, that was what they were, they were used to operating according to the earth cycles, right? Yeah. And we live in these little boxes and we are tied up to these computers and everything's going fast, fast, fast. We don't know about patience. We don't know about slowing down. And I got all that discipline through my martial arts training. And that's a lot of what I share with my clients comes from that background. So it's a, it's a very rich, beautiful thing. I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that until, uh, until I lie down in the grave, you know, which I hope that's going to be a long time. Away, yeah, so. yeah, you got plenty of time for <laughs> that. I, I think it's beautiful um, what you, how you equated the, the energy cycles of the past where we, were, where we didn't have this much technology and or mass production of our food cycles, the, the access to water, the things that like a lot of us in our, in our time today take advantage of. Like we don't even even appreciate that that was at once it took an effort or a discipline to actually have access to it to right. that gifting. I I love that that alignment to how the the practice of martial arts because the way I see it and it's, as you were talking I was thinking about all the shows that I've loved to watch recently like on. On HBO Max, there's um, the whole Warrior series. I don't know if you saw that, but it was based mm-hmm. on a Bruce Lee story he wrote himself, and then they created mm-hmm. this the series out of it. And the martial arts in that, I like. It makes me want to get up and like figure out how to do all those moves. Like it's so amazing to see real craft in that because it's not always about aggression. It's about no. protection. It's about mm-hmm. flow. It's about passing the energy forward. Like all the things that as leaders we have to think about too where it's mm-hmm. you know in this moment what is the best stance for me to have what's the best next move what's the you know yeah. the way i can keep things flowing or is this a time to pause like mm-hmm. the, i could totally see the relatability from having um a black belt and and then the the framework of that moving into how as a leader you need to show up in it, but it does take that daily practice. And and then the other visual I had while you were telling the story, I was like, hmm, what was it like for you to have like your first, I, I would say, move, like complex move that you had to do as a black belt where, and I think about like aerial spins or like the certain types of kicks or like, well, I don't know, you have to explain it to me because I am not the master you are, but it just, <laughs> I, I can only imagine how much discipline it took and practice it took to get to that epic move, let's just say, and mm-hmm. then the ability to repeat it again and again mm-hmm. and again, right? To figure out that mastery was there a moment like that that you had that that helped show you your growth or like helped show you that, oh, okay, I'm now actually at that next level? Yeah, actually, there's a specific term in the Japanese martial arts, which is where I focus most of my attention. Uh, I've studied after I completed my second degree black belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu. I did another six years in Aikido, which is another Japanese yeah. martial art. And uh, that obviously is very much about flow and all that. And so the term that's used in Japanese to describe 
where you kind of hit that, maybe not mastery, but that flow. Mm. It's called Mushin, M-U-S-H, yeah, Mushin, M-U-S-H-I-N is the English transliteration of it. And um, basically what that means is that you have done those daily practices so often and so keenly they are literally just downloaded into your nervous system mm. so that you don't have to think about what you do. And, you know, when a, one incident happened to me, I'd actually been on a really long business trip and I'd come back uh, and I'd signed up months ago for this jujitsu tournament, right? And I'm not a very competitive person, to be honest with you, but I just signed up for it. I thought it would help me push myself a little. I'm competitive with myself, let's put sure. it that way. Yeah. And, um, so, of course, I got sick on the airplane. I had almost almost feverish. I just felt wiped out. I didn't know, you know, and I just showed up. And all I wanted to do was to make sure I could maybe drive myself home. At the end. I didn't care about winning or any of that stuff, yeah. right? And so the tournament format was such that I had multiple opponents that I had to deal with. And I had three minutes where I had to be in there and deal with whatever they were coming. They could bring sticks and knives, all this crazy wow. stuff, right? <laughs> and so I just go in there and I was so exhausted. All I did was I bowed and then, you know, the referee goes, Hajime, which means start, right? And everything was a blur, just yeah. an absolute, I have no memory recollection. I just remember people clapping at the end and I sit down and all of a sudden I won first place in that particular division that I was competing in. This was out of a pool of about 30 guys. Wow. And I'm like, okay. So I guess that was probably the point where I figured, okay, all these nights that I've been showing up and doing this activity and, and you know, it just, it was there. And, and I think the, the, the key thing, the takeaway on this is that it's the same thing when we get into whatever it is that we're calling our, our profession. It's that daily practice of what we're doing is going to come forth at the right time and the right degree in the right uh, amount, in the right way, you won't have to think about it. You yeah. know, you just won't have to think about it that much. Not that you don't be strategic and logical. Of course, there's all that going on. But when you're, whether it's a, a sales uh, pitch, right? Or whether you're in a strategy meeting with colleagues, whatever it is, you've ingrained it so deeply within yourself. It's just there. It's part of you. Of and that's, that's where we want to get, right? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I think it it brings a level of um, certainty in self when you mm. allow for what you have learned to show up in its natural stance. Mm. You know, I think a lot of the times, mm -hmm. just like how you were saying in our our energy, uh, the energy around us is so demanding and it can force, sometimes feel like you have to force a decision or force an action versus mm -hmm. the discipline of seeing it for what it is and then giving it a moment to decide what is the best for the situation right now. Like I, for me, yeah. one of my practices is in order for me to 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 feel as though I'm staying in consistent action or um, flow. It, I had to give myself permission to fumble, or I had to just allow. Uh, I also say uh, like I I can change my mind at any time. Like that's the other thing. Like it was like it's it's the right decision for right now, but maybe some learnings after that decision could could determine. Oh, you know what? We need to pivot in this direction, or we have to. I, I changed my mind. Let's go back to this. Whatever whatever it could be. And I think that when you're when you're doing it physically in a physical practice, that doesn't require 
for you, you're deciding for yourself in that moment that one to one, unless unless in this group fight, like there were six against one. I don't know how badass you are <laughs> in the fighting <laughs> arena, but I'm assuming it was one to one most of these fights um, that you that that you had to get through. Is that it, it's for your own self preservation as you're thinking about that uh, that opponent. In leadership, though, we have to think about not only ourselves and the whole. Mm-hmm. And so as you started to create these peak performance business programs and like and and you started to also become a trainer in um, Qigong, which I would love for you to share with our listeners too, how that has benefited not only your own personal self-care and practice um, to continue in your discipline, but how has that helped also your clients as you work with them on their peak performance? But we're when we're in a business leadership position, our quote-unquote mistakes can have really powerful ramifications for people that are looking to us for leadership. And when I say leadership, I mean that in a very concrete way. If they're employees, they could lose their jobs if, if you make a poor decision, you know, if we make a poor decision and things go south, you know, so that's a lot of responsibility that we carry on our shoulders, you know, and that is, I think, one of the biggest pressure cookers that leaders have is is being leaders. And I think the more that we can try and understand that we really need to be one unit when we're doing something, what I mean by that is our bodies our minds, our emotions, our focus and attention, our goals, they need to be unified. And when we are operating in a, a thing, and I call this centered power, mm. when, 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 we're, when we're operating in a place of integrity with who we are as individuals and our skills, like you so eloquently mentioned, you know, acknowledging your gifts. You know, and and not operating from a fear base where oh they're going to judge me if I do this or there or we might this might happen when that happens. You know, um, I think one of the things that is uh, challenging for business leaders that we need to remember is that in our personal lives, think about how many things that we've had occur which seemed initially as to be mistakes or whatever, right? So a relationship goes bad. Or you make a, a, a poor financial decision, or maybe you pick the wrong major, whatever it is. In hindsight, you realize that there was some sort of hidden lesson, a hidden message, a hidden, you know, like a discovery yeah. that you were able to make just through that so-called mistake. I, I personally don't even use the word mistake anymore. Yeah, me I just too. say <laughs> I say learning curve. Everything's a learning curve, right? Yeah. Yep. And you know, it's challenging as business leaders to realize that we need to allow ourselves that same grace in that leadership position that we do in our own individual life because yeah. everything is really a gamble there's no guarantees if if this past pandemic of covid-19 has taught anyone any lesson it's you know there there's no givens you know the only certainty is uncertainty right and so that flexibility that confidence and that uh, again it goes back to that word integrity with self. And I don't mean being morally right. I mean, I'm talking about being true to what your genuine nature is. And I think a lot of the stress that we create for ourselves, a lot of the angst that we go through as individuals is because on some level, we know maybe we shouldn't be in that particular job path that we're on. Maybe we shouldn't be in that 
partnership, whether it's a romantic partnership or a business partnership, maybe we should, you know, whatever the maybe is, yeah. we really need to bite the bullet and just go, this is my life. I got a real brief moment here and I just need to be true with, with who I am and what I am. And, and that's when the magic happens, when you can step into a place of courage and be who you really are, you know? It's so true. As you were talking, the the way I started to visualize, um, and I have never had this visualization before, so I definitely want to share it. But it, I almost imagine if if we could imagine that our lives are a really wide path. Like if you think about a path on a trail to go through, you know, a hiking trail, mountain, whatever. But it's super wide because a lot of times we get tunnel vision around the target of what we're trying to hear but imagine uh, trying to get to but imagine if it was super wide and you were allowed to zigzag to mm-hmm. get from point A to point B C D all the way up to Z and plus right like that's our life but I think mm-hmm. if we could be more expansive in our thinking to say, I have to step forward regardless, whatever step forward I take, because I need to to move on my path either. And you, uh, a lot of people do regression work where they're stepping backwards to figure it out on how to step forward. Mm-hmm. But the forward motion of it, which is definitely my energy too, where it's really about the lessons learned. What do I want to take with me? And I think it was because uh, similar to you, Coming up in challenging methods, um, trying to discover who I was amongst all of it, then mm. introducing myself to different disciplines out there and just being open to knowing that something has got to be better than what this was, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's that forward motion, that step motion of like, what else? What else can I learn? What else can I figure out? But because I, I, I exercised it at a young age, the trial and error of it all, mm-hmm. the taking the, the big zig or zag you know, a, 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 along my path, I still was moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really great thing to be able to, to walk away from listening today for, for the listeners here is that um, it doesn't have to feel absolute all the time. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. sometimes requires that small step and that and and having the integrity to say, yes, that step worked for me and I learned this, or it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I still learned mm-hmm. this, you know, and you you can zigzag mm-hmm. along the path, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As like a you know, as a child growing up, one of my biggest heroes, uh, you know, and I, I guess, you know, growing up without a father, you try and look for these father figures. Of course, yeah. There, there weren't many good mentors in my own personal circle. So I adopted, you know, celebrity ones or people that I kind of, you know, saw in the media. And, you know, Dr. King was was just mm. a massive influence on my whole trajectory into the nonviolence work, obviously, but just as a human being and the courage that and what he stood in. And I, I can't remember, this is kind of a paraphrase, but, you know, somebody asked him something about, oh, well, what's the next steps on this, this, and this? And, you know, and he was a very strategic person. I had the opportunity to uh, train with one of his uh, generals, this guy named uh, uh, Lawson. And he was actually one of the people that would train all the civil disobedience, uh, you know, protest uh, wow. people and all that. And I, I did a, a, a training in Kenyan nonviolence, they called it. And, you know, so he was very strategic, but he also just, he made made this phrase, he said, I don't necessarily know all the hows of how I'm going to get there. I just have an end goal and I just take the next step, the next step. 
the next step. And, and, and that is kind of, you know, and, and so as an example of that, in my early 20s, before I had even completed my education, I was trying to think very pragmatically. I got to figure out a way to feed my family. I'm, I don't have a, an advanced degree. I need to get something going here. And I uh, put four years of my life into attempting to become a firefighter. Mm. And there's like for every position, uh, at least at that time, for a firefighter, there's 2,000 applicants. Yeah. And so for four years, I trained physically. I, you know, a lot of my undergraduate courses in fire science, right? Yeah. I just, I just thought, let's do it. You know, let's try. And I told myself whether I achieved this or not, I just want to have a clear conscience that I gave it a hundred percent. And so at the end of that four years, uh, I got close a few times. I got some interviews, not quite, never quite got there, but the skills that I had learned on organizing my time, you know, the physical fitness elements of training, because those, those tests are very difficult. That, you know, helped me in so many different ways. There was just a whole slew of skill sets that I had oh, sure. gotten. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that never happened because I like what I do now. But, you know, we, we get so caught up, like you were, you were sharing, you get so caught up in, oh, you know, I, I, it's got to be so perfectly planned and it's got to work out this way or that way. And life's not like that. Mm-hmm. You know, life, life, life is, uh, you know, I, I, life is like, jitsu which i trained in you know you you think somebody's going to come at you with one thing they come at you with something and you just got to roll with it right there and and just work it out in the midst of it and you know the more i I think that's what's really missing now with a lot of traditional uh what would you call it like paradigms of of business leadership yeah is you know we we still have this domineering type of mentality when it comes to leadership, right? It's very proactive and and I talk and people listen and I make decisions and people follow versus a more synergistic kind of give and take. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a collaboration. When you get right down to it, you know, we talk about these heroes, Elon Musk or whoever, Jeff Bezos, whether you like them or not, these people are what people call successful people. They didn't get there by themselves. You know, they, they never do. It's about having a synergy with a team that you're with and really going with the energy in the room and not to get too, you know, woo-woo, but it really is being emotionally, yeah. it matters a lot. It, it, that emotional intelligence is a key missing thing. And, and I think, honestly, that's why, in my opinion, women make some of the best business leaders because they're more structured societally to have that sort of emotional intelligence and are given a little bit more uh, push and, or, you know, depending on how you define it, indoctrination sometimes yeah. to be more emotionally intelligent to navigate around the domineering men. But the reality is, is that skill set is what's needed more in leadership is Across that ability everyone. to, yeah. and from everyone, male, from female, everyone. doesn't matter. Yeah. I do think that there is a, an opportunity, an amazing opportunity for that kind of integrative learning in um, what a synergistic leadership stance could look like, regardless of your um, sexual orientation, let's just say. Because I I know for me, definitely my EQ was way high. And I did as a female in a male-dominated industry and technology, you know, Mm -hmm. that I started in back in the day. Um, Also being in a, a, a society where they definitely would recognize 
men's achievements over the women and and the feminist mm-hmm. movement was just coming up where you know we the language around training women and showing women that it is possible to do it all um i do think has been uh, a great support into who i have become you know as a as a female leader in this world and helping other leaders also show up mm-hmm. i think though that men who have had a dominant masculine stance because that's what they were trained to become. They were conformed Mm -hmm. to become that. And maybe potentially their EQ um, and their emotional side was squashed because it did not belong in those constructs. That's that's the traditional paradigm you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. That's the piece that I love seeing when I meet with other um, men and women who have spent the time to actually understand both dichotomies and figuring out like, what is the synergy to stand in it all? And yeah. um, the word reciprocity comes in a lot, in my opinion, because that's that give and that take, right? Of mm-hmm. energy and feminine side on our bodies, our left side, yeah. the masculine side is our right side. You know, uh-huh. as women... Um, we tend to overwork our right side if we're having to be in a masculine environment for so long. And this year, especially post uh, being in the tail end of, I hope, this pandemic where we're back out into the world expressing who we're meant to be physically with each other um, as opposed to just virtually like this, where a lot of women I've, I've talked to, even myself, have been going through like health almost like a rebirth, it feels like it's happening because we had to sit in this recognition in this past year of, you know what, that masculine energy of that push, push, push doesn't work anymore. And yeah. uh, we need to figure out how we can like raise up the the feminine energies or or and what is also fed into the EQ um, measurements mm-hmm. out there too, where it is about this synergy. It's about that alignment of who am I truly what what is the best way for me to show up in this moment and stop with the veil or the the being mm. who we're not anymore just like yeah. you know if you've been in the toxic male environments and that was mm. not who you were you you yeah. know you were beat up on a lot as a kid but you were you were yeah. not meant to be a fighter you know but right. you found a discipline where you could protect yourself and also show others how to protect themselves, which is a very integrative stance on on that uh, masculine feminine energy. So mm-hmm. I, I do think it's a topic we need to face more and, and like have more yeah. discussions on because it's it is um it's the only way I think we're gonna create the new environment that this awakening of this last year has created for yeah. anyone who wants to be a conscious leader today has to understand not only for themselves to feel healthy in their role, but also yeah. to cultivate it in their organizations. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That those that uh domineering paradigm has never worked for males. And you know, women who during a certain time frame, yeah, I would say even now, like you're saying, in a lot of industries, uh women in order to make themselves uh, heard and make themselves have the impact that they they want to have within their careers, sometimes need to exercise what would be called traditionally masculine type of energies, right? Completely, yeah. And, you know, whether regardless of the gender of the person exercising that, it's not healthy in the long term if it's in balance, you know? And I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about, uh, you know, Qigong that I've learned over the, over the 20 years that I've been doing Qigong. 21 years, actually, 
quickly um, is that this balance, like, I, I don't, I, it sounds like a sidetrack, but I'm going to tie it back. No, no, no. I, I want to about. explain it. Um, it sounds perfect. Like, I yeah. really want you to explain the benefits of it too. So please share with our listener what is Qigong and, and continue. Sure. Well, uh, in, in Qigong, which another term for that is Chinese yoga, one of the things that you do is everything you do on the right side, you balance out on the left mm-hmm. side, the yin mm-hmm. and the yang, right? So we know conceptually in our conversation that we should do this. But when you add your body into that equation and you reinforce the learning of the emotional intelligence training or the the training and development that may come into play in a workplace or even just in your own personal life, someone who's maybe learning how to meditate or whatever it is, when you add the kinetic dimension to that, it's another avenue of learning that can enhance our totality as a human being. So that these energies of masculine and feminine, and I don't really like those terms to be honest with you, but yeah, I know I don't either, but I, yeah, like give me, if you have new terms to use, I would love them because I don't like them either. I feel like it's also too constraining. Yeah, I I, I don't, I I have a lot of critique of the old terms. I, uh, you know, when I, when I did a lot of training with, with young men and women around these issues, uh, I would refer to it as gender indoctrination, what okay. people get, you know? Yeah, it's and so, so true. Yeah, and, and, and it was interesting for me growing up in a single mother's home because, you know, I would have people or the, the society, I should say, would tell me, oh, this is how women should act and this is how men should act. Well, I didn't, I wasn't raised by a woman or a man. I was raised by a human being. Right. And so when the bill collectors would call and my mother had to get into that more direct energy to protect herself and her kids, you know, there was no difference between what I saw and a strong male or even yeah. physically defending her kids sometimes. Sure, you know? sure, yeah. And then, you know, but still just that nurturing and that tenderness that both mm. males and females have mm. in varying degrees. You totally so do. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I consider myself a very tender and nurturing person with my kids. I hug my kids. I've always <laughs> been just that guy, you know? So uh, I, I long for a day where we can actually outgrow these, these old modes. And I think what's going to happen in particular in the business world and in particular after this pandemic, exactly what you're saying, these old uh, domineering ways off balance, because sometimes you do have to assert, but these domineering ways People, male or female, do not find a way to balance their entire person and operate energetically with teams that they work with. They are going to go the way of the dinosaur. It simply is not sustainable. It's not sustainable in a health paradigm, that's for sure. But it's also not sustainable economically because people are tired. Like you see a shift in advertising going on now. You know, that old hammer, the advertising stuff we used to get as kids growing up. That's, I mean, you know, the younger generation, they could give a a rat's, you know, what about that? Now they don't, that's like, get out of here with that. So everything is shifting, you know, and and to tie back to the the Qigong, um, Qigong is basically slowing down, doing deep diaphragmatic breathing and allowing our bodies to heal. And and the movements, there's 10,000 different Qigong forms. And, uh, you know, my own personal journey into that was uh, I hit a point uh, right around 2000 where I had a very severe health crisis. I was having heart problems. I was put on medication for. I had a lot of personal stressors in life. I was put on uh, medication for depression. I had Mm -hmm. clinical depression. 
And, you know, even though I was active with martial arts, even though I was eating okay, you know, my, my stress levels were so high, even that wasn't doing it. So, um, you know, I, I had a choice of continuing on prescription medications, which I had a friend at the time who was a PhD biological researcher in the pharmaceutical field. And he was very direct. He's like, dude, they don't have longitudinal studies on this stuff. So you're kind of playing uh, a gambling if you if you stick mm. on that path. Mm. And he, of all people, recommended I find some holistic way to, to deal with this. So I, I didn't want to do yoga because that would mean lying down uh, and, and, and jujitsu. You want to be relaxed as you move. So I thought, okay. And I found out about Qigong, Chinese yoga. And, uh, you know, just through a, a few different exercises together from some pretty crappy book that I found, you know, in a bookstore. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, this is my symptom. Oh, okay. You know, I'm just, oh, okay, whatever. Came up with some made up my own goofy seven minute routine. And within about a week, the symptoms just dropped. Nice. And I'm like, okay, that's really weird. Right. And then that, that pulled me into understanding why this happened. You know, I, at that time, I was a very analytical guy, like very, you know, oh, you know, that, that type. And then over the years doing this mind-body paradigm, it's balanced out the two sides of my brain, the left brain, the right brain, the left brain, the right brain. It's really brought me into more touch with my intuition, but it hasn't weakened my rational and logical mind. And I think that's kind of the storehouse that I've been trying to unpack uh, as a self-care modality for individuals who are in high-stress situations. But like you're saying, even more so integrating that into cultures of workforces and in workplaces, that's really where, where my heart is at right now. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm definitely, I know you have um, something we can download in regards to um, understanding Qigong better. Or you have a tell tell everybody what that is so that they can grab it if they want to learn more and like figure out some at least the start of some of this integration because I think it's super important. Yeah, uh, well, my website is uh, downloadchi.com and that's downloadqi.com. And if you go there, there's a little sign up button and I you'll get a uh, like an introduction. Introduction. I also have uh, some connections to free YouTube videos that I do, hmm. things along those lines. Um, so, um, topically, I generally will stay focused on the business aspects of you know integrating these into your practices. But also, uh, you know, my my wife has a, an autoimmune disorder. Many of my friends have an autoimmune disorder, and so that's something else that I also teach about. Because unfortunately, Western medicine and those types of mechanistic paradigms are not very helpful when it comes to diagnosing or treating these stress-related disorders. And eighty percent of all visits to the doctor are stress-related, and all they can do is give you some pills and hope for the best. And that's not really a solution. You know, we need to do something that's a little bit more, uh, you know, empowering. You know, yeah. I, I, I consider sleep. I consider eating decent quality food and doing Qigong or some form of exercise is creating our own medicine. And that's really where we want to get people to be at. You know, uh, there's obviously a lot of controversy going on right now. You know, should you get the vaccination or not get the vaccination? Will it help you? Will it not help you? You know, you know, my, my, my thing is do whatever's best for you, but boost your own immune system no yeah. matter what. You know yeah. what I mean? That's really what we got to do. 
Yeah, uh-huh. that's how Jeff and I are too. It's like um, mm-hmm. it, it it's not just a a one time hit of a vaccine that's going to help you stay healthy. And yeah. you know, it definitely it's, it's again each person has their own choice. It it's just really though the ongoing integrative care and really seeing yourself as like a whole system that mm-hmm. requires healthy input and healthy output. You know, um, you know, having the people to talk to and work with in order to navigate through certain phases of whatever it is you're going through or learning new practices to see what fits. I mean, just even recently for me, going through a lot of like health things started to show up and I was like, oh my God, is this what midlife feels like? Like I, I thought I was good with my practices. Like I'm a conscious person, but your body mm-hmm. will sometimes show and tell you that no, it's we're still off here. Like you need to focus, mm-hmm. and you need to come up with the right, the right tools and med- modalities for now. Like it, it mm-hmm. is a, a progression through life yeah. too. So I love yeah. that you provide that, and I know my listeners will go and 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 download and grab the um, guide you have because it's just a start of something else. You can you can plug in and see how it works for you, and then obviously, um, if they want to reach out to you or have questions. What's the best way for them to connect with you, Frank? It, it would also be through the website. Uh, you'll see my my contact email there is info at downloadshe.com. Um, you know, that's the best way. And again, it, um, my actually right now, uh, my website guy, who's absolutely great, Michael Gonzalez, who is a, a magician with, <laughs> with tech, um, he's doing a little quick uh, uh, tweak on my on my website. It's, it's up, I believe, but yeah. Anyway, it's it's uh, all the all the you know directives to how to get more information are basically at downloadchi.com. So that's the the best way to get get that stuff. But I, I was just going to share, you know, one of the things that we've kind of been brainwashed to believe in this society is a mechanistic view of our bodies, and that is something I think that we kind of again as a culture need to outgrow and come up with an integrative model like yeah. you're talking about because. You know, basically how I describe it to um, my students and my clients is that we're basically a walking battery. Mm -hmm. We're like about 60-70% water. We've got a little dash of minerals in there and we got an electric charge. And so doing Qigong or doing, you know, any kind of uh, deep diaphragmatic breathing, mind-body practice, yoga, you know, some kind of martial arts, whatever it is, doing those things is basically training that electric system to operate at full capacity again. It's like having, you know, uh, when you're driving in some rural areas and your cell phone won't get the reception, there's parts of our body that due to past trauma, it can be emotional trauma, it can be uh, physical trauma. It's like the, the information, the nutrition, the healing, the oxygen is not able to get in there. And how I describe it to people I'm working with is that just, I, you know, a lot of people have gone in for acupuncture treatments and I, I love acupuncture. I've done that um, and I've studied some traditional Chinese medicine and Qigong is actually the foundation for Chinese medicine. So mm-hmm. when you go in for an acupuncture treatment, all they're doing is they're sticking needles into your body to help redirect the flow of this qi, which is in essence bioelectric energy. And with Qigong, what we're doing is the needle is our mind. It's our concentration. So if a particular movement, I'm imagining my arm going here and then coming back, that means that that bioelectric energy is flowing up and that bioelectric energy is flowing back. And, mm. you know, one of the 
beautiful experiences I had in Los Angeles when I was teaching regular weekly classes there pre-COVID was uh, I did a presentation for a autoimmune disorder group called scleroderma. And it's a really, really painful, difficult autoimmune disorder. And I did a, a presentation for some support groups and a bunch of them ended up signing up for my class. So like eight or nine of the folks are in my, in my group. And it was a nine-week class I was doing. And by week four, at the end of the class, some of them were, were crying because they were feeling feeling in areas that they hadn't felt in a long time. And they're like coming to me like I did something. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's just you moving, doing deep breathing. You know, it nothing special about me. This is just your mm-hmm. body doing what it's designed to do, you know. And that's really what I see being the potential for this not only with people who are suffering some of the, you know, the, the end game results of our stressful environments, but I'm all about prevention. You know, yeah. uh, that's my, that's my thing is if you can prevent something from happening, let's do that. So if we can start integrating some of these mind body practices as part of our work culture yes. and not something weird that is brought in from the outsider. No. Oh, great. I did a 10 hour shift. Now I got to go do an hour and a half yoga class. No, 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 no. Let's cut that off at the pass. Let's integrate it into our workplaces. And that way everybody is going to be able to operate at peak performance. Everyone's going to remain as healthy as they can be. And this is going to flow a lot better. That's that's what I want to see happen. Yeah, I love it. I'm on that same mission too. It, it is it is exactly what I've been visioning and also starting to put into formulation of how we actually help companies do that. Because I feel like we need leadership in that space, Frank. Like You and I have seen the benefits of it. We need to constantly keep figuring out ways to bring it into organizations. Because if they haven't done it yet, then they don't know how. And so yeah. sometimes you got to bring that formula in and be like, okay, here's mm-hmm. how, here's how to start. And here's how we're going to support you that mm-hmm. whole way. So I love that you're saying this because you're speaking my language, but also breathing life into the vision I have for this next business I plan to launch, mm-hmm. which of awesome. course I'm going to include you on because <laughs> I know you'll add so much to um, to it as, a, as an advisor, as well as a practitioner of peak mm-hmm. performance. So this has been so great. But as a thank you for having you on my show, Frank, because I know so many people are walking away with great nuggets from our conversation and things that they can put into practice now. Um, I would love to just thank you by giving you some time to ask if there's a question, uh, something you're going through or need support on that I can support you on today. Well, uh, yeah, actually, I'm sure this is something that a lot of the people that are that are doing their own businesses and have made that transition from working in the corporate world uh, and are trying to do their own thing and be self-employed. You know, I, besides the Qigong business, I also have a, a boutique publishing company um, called Less Is More Press, and I work with authors and stuff there. And one of the things that is difficult with the book business in particular is exposure, you know, mm-hmm. and of course, everyone thinks now because it's such a dominant uh, factor in marketing and social media, or you know, maybe you know Google Ads or or you know Amazon is basically one big search engine, and right. so I've studied a lot about the SEO, and I do you know <laughs> blogging as often as I can, not as often as I should, and all that sort of stuff. But in regards to um, getting old school media exposure, you know, what mm-hmm. I've done is, you know, back in when I was working in corporations and nonprofits, I would help craft uh, press releases, 
Yeah. Okay. So, oh, okay, shoot this off to this person. But I guess any tips that you would share for not necessarily operating within the domains of social media mm. and and navigating the SEO stuff, which everyone seems stuck there. What are some of the things either for newsprint media, um, you know, uh, local news stations, even uh, TV appearances, that type of thing? Yeah. What kind of what kind of suggestions do you have for people that are wanting to maybe flex some of their marketing muscle into that area? And and share specifically that they're writers, like that they're authors in that arena, or just any no, no, like entrepreneur trying to any get entrepreneur. Any, yeah. Okay. So like, I just because there's like the whole book launch path like we can mm-hmm. we can talk through but then it's just really what it what i guess i take it to the level up of like what is the platform that you are standing on meaning um is this outlet the best thing for the attraction you're trying to get so in the case okay. of of trying to get media attention for example especially if you're a content creator and you you have um, so much that you're able to share. It's really about understanding what media outlet is best aligned for your brand and your mm-hmm. your presence and the platform that you stand on. Um, and then once you determine that, so for example, is it like Entrepreneur Magazine, Forbes Magazine? Do you want to be mm-hmm. on local news in your area? Um, those type of questions to ask is first to identify which media outlets matter to okay. you and your brand the most. Then okay. it's about doing your research to say, who are the actual writers and or interviewers that mm-hmm. you want to get in front of? Because every okay. single one is pining for new content. Like We mm-hmm. think that media is such a far reach for us, but all mm-hmm. it does actually take is some concentration on mm-hmm. how do you actually get in front of the people you want to be know, know about you and talk about you. They all have a path of entry. Most of them have their emails that are public too that you can pitch to them mm-hmm. on. Two of okay. my good friends, uh, Chris and Jen, Jen Gottlieb, and uh, they, they basically are here in the New York area, but they service you know all over the place. They have an unfair advantage uh, media company. And their, mm-hmm. their tools and 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 tips on how you get in front of media has really been a great lesson learned for me to realize that there are humans behind it all. And you just have to figure out how to get in touch with those humans that you want to be um, sharing your content with, and then really understand their method of how they determine um, the content that they are looking to produce in order for you to be that next person that they say, oh yeah, great. This sounds great. It's so aligned. Um, with what we love to talk about, what our audience loves to hear, and this is the date and time. Let's set up an interview. Um, you know, so I think it's I think it's more approachable than we think um, it can be. And I uh, and first, you have to really determine what is the best alignment for you and your brand to mm-hmm. step into that person's arena and introduce yourself. And so. Okay. The way you leverage social platforms for that is to go follow those writers, go follow those um, interviewers, comment on their posts, like try to try to understand what are the conversations they're having, so that when you actually send a pitch to them for you to get in front of them with, mm-hmm. um, it is aligned with things they've already talked about. Awesome. It becomes so yeah. much easier then to create a connection. 
right? So just like we target market for our clients, we want to target market for those media outlets that we're shooting. There's so many now too. Yeah. yeah. You know, just like you were in um, with Thrive Global and Authority Magazine. It's like, you know, these are all writers behind it looking for content. And so yeah. it's just a matter of you reaching out to to know. So if you don't have a um, like a one pager that kind of explains who you are, mm-hmm. um, the topics you like to talk about, if you've written books, like you know the the highlight of the book and and your bio, like a, just a quick one pager that goes along with your pitch, mm-hmm. that would be something to create to make it even okay. easier for them to be like, oh yeah, this person would be great in front of an audience. They have it together. Let's just set something up like you know Mm -hmm. but you have to kind of tell them don't ever email and this is just more for my listeners because i know frank you're way more apt than than thinking this but to reach out to anyone and say hey can i can um do you have any like openings for me to get in front of your audience or (laughs) like you have to make it so that it's aligned with how you're going to help them help their audience like mm-hmm. that's the type of messaging. I realize yeah. you talked about XYZ. I love dialoguing on that topic. You know, mm-hmm. here's something that I recently wrote or I was interviewed here and you can give them other like credentials, you know, for them if they want research. And I would love to share this and you explain your top three things with your audience whenever you're willing, you know, or mm-hmm. when you have the time or however we can connect, I'd be open to it, you know. Simple. Awesome. Keep it simple. Awesome. But that's, that's how great. I went. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for being on the show today. And um, listeners, as you know, we love hearing from you and your takeaways. So please make sure as you're listening to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, but also let us know uh, what other questions you have because Frank and I are always here to support you. And again, we'll see you in the next episode. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get the latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five-star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener and I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.